Welcome to the Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to making life more enjoyable for young families by hitting on the financial topics that tend to weigh on us, stress us out, and distract our focus from simply enjoying life. Welcome once again to the Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast. This is the last episode of this series uh, before the recap, and this is being your the Your Money Multiplier series. And today's episode is entitled Stock Option Mayhem. So today what we're going to cover is what you need to know when it comes to making sense of all these different restricted stocks, stock options, stock purchase plans, and what you can do to build them into more of a comprehensive plan or approach that can therefore most benefit you. These are definitely things that you know, stress people out or make people uneasy on how they should be approaching it or what the tax ramifications might be. And so this is a great, great episode for people that do deal with uh, with these kind of stock options and associated pieces. So my daughter Avery uh, was my first child. She was born back in 2016. And I can still remember leaving the hospital. They walk you to the door. My wife Lauren's in the wheelchair. We're holding this little baby that we're parenting for, you know, two days. And uh, we know that she's super important. She's really, really valuable. And they get you to the door. The sliding doors open. The fresh air hits you in the face. And then they're like, okay, well, get out of the wheelchair now. There you go. On your way. Good luck. And, you know, Hopefully you know enough from that 15-minute class we gave you to keep your daughter alive. And you get into the car and you drive home and you look in the rearview mirror about a thousand times to make sure she's doing okay back there in her, her car seat, which is barely barely small enough to fit her. And this kind of mentality of being given something that's that's very important but not quite sure of what we need to be doing with it exactly, that relates a lot to how you may be feeling when it comes to these, you know, stock options and things of that nature, it could be very much along the same lines. Hey, here are these, you know, special gifts we're giving to you. They sound pretty fancy and important. Here's a 20-page document of legalese on how they work, or at least how to cover us if you don't use them properly. And you're welcome and good luck. Now, the great thing when it comes to stock options, as opposed to my daughter, is you can't kill them, really. (laughs) You know, this is extra income that's coming to you or an extra potential benefit that's coming to you. So we just want to make the best use of this gift that was given to us. And so that's what this episode today we're going to run through to try to help. We're going to start with what most people get nowadays, which are called restricted stock units, or sometimes a lot of times are abbreviated as RSUs. They're a little bit more straightforward than some of the other things that you may already have or may be given, and they attach to kind of a brokerage account. So if you have these and you've been given maybe a confusing statement on it, you'll see two sections. You'll see the first kind of page section that'll have your name on it, and a lot of times it'll say TOD, transfer on death kind of account they seem to set up for a lot of people, but it's a an account that's in your name that has little to nothing in it to start. The second or subsequent pages, you'll start to see these restricted stocks broken down. And it'll show you what date it was given to you. And then they'll talk about when it's vesting. Generally, vesting occurs in three years. What vesting means is just now it becomes yours. So let's say you got given 100 shares 
and invests in three years. Right now, there's no value to it because it's not yours yet. They gave you basically a promise <laughs> to transfer this to you in three years, if that's the day that it vests. Three years go by, these 100 shares vest, and then what happens for most people is all of a sudden now on that first page that we started with, where it just has your name on it, a general account, all of a sudden you see this 100 shares show up in your first account. This is great, now you see this money is here, and now you can actually kind of touch it. The big thing first off to know when it comes to restricted stock is when this vesting occurs, it is now 100% taxable in that year. You can't control it. You can't adjust it. If those 100 shares, the value at that three-year part or three-year day was you have $10 a share, so 100 times 10, $1,000 is being added to your income. That's it. Can't change that at all. As the stock now changes in value from that point, now that will affect any subsequent gains you might have to pay on it, but the bulk of what you're going to owe from a tax standpoint is going to be ordinary income, just like your wages, in that year that invests. Some people, what they have, we've seen is these restricted stocks, they don't even transfer the shares, they just immediately sell out of them and send you a check, so that might be how yours works as well. The most important part of, of this first part of what we've covered is if you have restricted stock, whenever it vests, it's going to become immediately taxable in that year. The next part of this, if it does transfer as individual stock, this is something that we always caution people about. A lot of people have, you know, if you work for your company, if you've been there long enough where you're starting to get some of these additional benefits that are being given to you, you may have a, a strong affinity for your company. However, being cautious about keeping money in any individual stock, your company or otherwise, is something that we always caution against because you're putting a lot of your eggs in one basket. How your company does or is perceived to do now is extremely influential on how much value this has. So RSUs are much easier to get out of your company stock right away because, again, it's already been taxed. So since it's already been taxed, you can take that money out, you can put it into a general account, and you can diversify it out much more than just one individual company stock is. Stock options are way more confusing. So graduating from restricted stock to stock options. Less people have these now because uh, the tax rules for what companies were able to do change. So the stock option is less beneficial to the issuing company. So that's why you don't see them as much anymore. But why, what makes them more confusing is they don't incur taxation when they vest. So let's say three years is when they vest. That's not when the taxation occurs. It incurs when you actually exercise the option itself. So instead of having this automatic value, there's a price that they're giving it to you and then an end date that you can exercise it. Kind of as, a, as an example, let's again say you were given 100 shares. Instead of just being given 100 shares like for how the restricted stock works, they're giving you 100 shares and they're saying we're going to give it to you at a price of let's say $5 a share. Okay, so $5 a share now goes three years later. Now the $5 a share went up to $10 a share. So now if you, you do exercise your option, what you're getting is the difference. So they gave it to you at five, it's now worth 10. The difference is five, so five times 100. Now you have $500 of income that, that's realized. But it's not automatic, you have to exercise it. 
on the flip side, let's say they gave it to you at five and after three years it vests and now it's worth three, three dollars per share, your options are worth nothing because they gave it to you at a price of five. Right now it's at three when you were able to sell it. And so there is no value. You can wait and see if the stock price goes up, but there is an end date for stock options. So you can't just hold on to it forever. Stock options, in my opinion, have the same issue that we covered with the restricted stock in that you are having a potential large holding in one company. So how that company is perceived to do or how they actually do influences how the stock does and therefore the value of it. So again, we tend to like to get out of the stock options more quickly after vesting, uh, sometimes depending on taxation, things of that nature, we may want to wait slightly. But the goal still is to not have too much money tied up in one individual stock. Stock options, you could go to a whole nother level. There's ISOs and non-qualified, and that'd be a, a whole thing that's really too much to get into, into here. But stock options definitely are a good step up in complexity compared to their restricted stock kind of counterparts. The last one, that I, major one that I want to cover today are stock purchase plans. Stock purchase plans, you might see them as ESPPs. These plans are essentially stock discount plans. So you can buy into your company's stock at a discount. So let's say up to maybe 15% with a holding period that might be one to two years. The discount that you're receiving is taxed as ordinary income. Gains above that would be gained uh, tax at the capital gains rate, depending on how long you held it. So again, let's say that your current stock, your current company stock is worth $10 per share. This means that you would be able to buy into it at $8.50 per share rate. So you instantly are kind of in the black. You instantly make money, but you need to hold it for say one to two years before you can, can sell it. It depends on the, on the company's plan. You know, that's great. I'm getting free, you know, basically buying in below current price. But again, it's the same kind of thing. You are tied in to how one individual stock is doing. So while this can be appropriate for some people, that is definitely something that needs to be considered. And for some people, if they keep doing this and they don't sell, they can wind up with a huge concentration in one company's individual stock. So using this, it can be appropriate for people again. However, in my opinion, there should be an exit plan that's part of the strategy. So lastly, what you can do. The first thing is make sure that you're balancing taxes versus concentration. For stock options, for instance, maybe you don't want to realize them right now, for example, because next year I'm going to be retired. And so if I wait to realize them next year, my tax rate might be much, much lower. That could definitely be a strategy. However, as a trade-off, maybe I have 90% of my money now tied up in these stock options in this one company. So even though I may take a little bit more of a tax hit, maybe I should sell a little bit right now because I don't want to be so concentrated in how one company is doing. What you can do is really make sure you're paying attention to this balance of being tax efficient versus being overly concentrated and therefore kind of exposed to how one company may be doing or perceived to do. The second thing for this, for what you can do, is plan ahead of time. Anything that you're receiving, you know it's going to be vesting in X amount of years. Depending on what they gave you and everything, you know that at some point it's going to be coming to you if you stay there. You can think about this ahead of time just like a bonus, 
what am I going to do with this when it comes? Maybe 50% I'm going to cash out and save. 25% I'm going to cash out and use for you know a vacation. The other 25% I'm just going to kind of hold on to. Whatever the plan is, you can do that ahead of time. If you wait until it just vests and then it sits there, it's going to feel like free money. It's going to feel like it just appeared. And now you're not considering taxes or concentration or any larger scale plan. You're just seeing that extra money that maybe you feel like you found in your pocket and you might do something with it that you might regret or maybe you wouldn't necessarily take the steps to do if you had thought about it ahead of time. So a recap today as this really is the hardest topic that we've covered so far to this point. These things definitely are confusing to everyone, but there are definitely some simplifiable (laughs) takeaways uh, from this depending on what you may have. The two main elements, again, that it comes down to are dealing with taxes and concentration. Taxes should be planned for. RSUs, or restricted stock, will automatically be taxed as ordinary income upon vesting. Stock options and purchase plans you have more control on when it is realized, when those taxes are realized. Second element is concentration. The restricted stock is easier to emotionally diversify out of because they are forcing you to realize the tax upon vesting right away. So it's not that the tax element kind of gets taken out, and so it may be easier to diversify out of it. The other two, though, can be tempting to hold on to much longer, but again, always remember you are paying tax on some of the gain. You're still keeping most of it. Individual companies carry very real risk that's tied to, again, how one company does or is perceived to do. If a CEO has a personal scandal, that company has its stock go down, despite the company itself probably really not being any different in a business sense yesterday than it is today when it was found out. Thanks for tuning in today. As always, if you're able to implement what we cover, that's fantastic. This episode is definitely the most challenging to do that. But if you can, then you have less to worry about than before, and obviously you can focus more on enjoying life. If you are wanting help with these things, though, or have questions you need help in clarifying, check out the Ask Joe section on the show's website. Again, our website is www.enjoymore30s.com. That's enjoymore30s.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow us and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. There are literally millions of young American families out there I'm trying to reach and help just like you. This is the final episode. The recap, though, is coming next week of this Your Money Multiplier series. And like the last series, it's a time to take a breather, review the last number of topics, and hopefully take some level of action, whatever it might be, to improve your financial situation in a way that removes anxiety to allow you and your family to focus more on enjoying life. Again, we never want to be losing sight of the purpose of all these episodes. This series, unlike the first one, was much more specific on different financial topics and areas you may be dealing with, but the purpose is still the same, to gain greater clarity and security about where you are going to have that confidence to go out and live life. It's great, as always, connecting with you today, and I look forward to doing it again so soon. The conversations on this show are Joe's opinions and provided for general information purposes only. They do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice for your specific situation. 
you should always seek appropriate advice from a financial advisor, accountant, lawyer, or other professional before acting upon any content or information found here first. Joe is affiliated with New Horizons Wealth Management, LLC, a branch office of TFS Securities, Inc., and TFS Advisory Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC.